Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. For all you elk hunters out there, Chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access to your populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. From Mediator's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review, presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. A Van Buren County man gets jail time, fines, and a lifetime loss of hunting privileges after poaching trophy bucks. Unethical hunting activity, which I would say is um, an understatement, has resulted in prison time, financial restitution, and the previously mentioned lifetime loss of hunting privileges in the state. Just 33 years old, Justin Ernst was successfully prosecuted for the illegal taking of nine trophy whitetail bucks just last year. Now, to let you know what type of fellow this is, What cracked the case was Michigan State Police Troopers were investigating Ernst's involvement in a domestic violence complaint. State police then contacted the Department of Natural Resources conservation officers, and they noticed several deer in a nearby barn where Ernst reportedly spent a significant amount of time. Um, This is something I can, you know, kind of relate to old Ernst on. If I had a barn, I guaranteed I would spend a lot of time back there. Anyway, conservation officers investigated and seized eight illegal bucks in the barn. Five ten-pointers and three with eight points each. Two days later, an anonymous tip to the DNR's report all poaching hotline stated that Ernst had taken another deer. Conservation officers confirmed that Ernst had taken another trophy buck, increasing his total to, yes, nine. Ernst ended up pleading guilty to felon in possession of a firearm, obtaining a hunting license when ineligible, and illegal taking or possessing white-tailed deer. As part of his plea deal, Ernst was given lifetime hunting revocation, ordered to pay $25,000 in reimbursement, forfeited all seized items, and will serve 18 months to five years in a Michigan Department of Corrections facility. And, in totally unassociated news, 
everyone's favorite mayor is a mayor no longer. Craig Schubert, the mayor of Hudson, Ohio, announced his resignation on Valentine's Day just a few days after he went viral for claiming that ice fishing leads to prostitution. In his resignation letter, Schubert claims his statement was a bit of dry humor and that he was grossly misunderstood. In case you missed the story, uh, I can't believe that's possible at this point. Schubert argued in a city council meeting that allowing ice fishing in a local park would lead to the uh, erection of ice shanties. Ice shanties would then lead to prostitution. Schubert sounds pretty serious. He claims that it was his past experience as a news reporter that planted the idea in his head, Uh, which, again, doesn't sound like he's joking. Well, from the Week in Review crew, Jordan Sillers, Alex Tilney, and myself, Ryan Cal Callahan, we wish you the best of luck. But I recommend that you stay away from ice shanties and ice fishing regulations for the foreseeable future. This week, we've got the Bad Bill Roundup, Ted Gazinski, and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And this is where we enter with Ted K, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. A buddy of mine poured a ton of time and energy and creative effort into a new film that is coming out shortly, should be out by the time you listen to this. It's called Ted K, filmed almost exclusively in Lincoln, Montana, and I got to watch it the other night at its official Montana premiere. If you are unaware of who Ted K is, well, you know, watch the movie. One of the things I liked about it is uh, it's very noticeably filmed in Montana. Many of the shots are in logging regrowth. It's familiar. It's, you know, places that any folks like us just, you know, hike to off the side of an old Forest Service road. And it's not the same old shot of going to the Sun Road or, you know, the giant, beautiful landscapes. Uh, They did a really good job. And yeah, Montana still looks pretty. Ted K is the film released by Neon. Check it out wherever you can. I only bring that up because his buddy of mine owes me a bunch of money, so need people to watch that movie. Kidding about that. While on the subject of films, Duck Lore, our latest release and first fully waterfowl-focused project produced by Meat Eater's own Sean Weaver, is live on our YouTube channel. Check it out. First episode does not have snort. Just a disclaimer. But believe me, she makes an appearance. In other news... I ran a brand new steel chainsaw, knocked down some diseased fir trees, bucked them up, and if you're ever needing an Airbnb that is super awesome, so awesome in fact that I am watching Bighorn Sheep from the table at which I type and located just outside of Missoula, Montana, check out Blackfoot Base Camp. Search that out on Airbnb. I don't know how that works, but you may be able to. It's a sweet place. As a bonus, you'll know when you arrive and have a nice cozy fire to kind of relax yourself, you know, around here, I cut your firewood. And I got to tell you, it was kind of a selfish act. Felt just good to go out and run the saw, tip some trees over, buck them up. I don't have a fireplace at home, so, you know, I subbed myself out. All right, time to get down to brass tacks. Moving on to an almost all 50 states rapid fire roundup. Get your pencils or your recording devices. Whatever you kids do these days, just pay attention. I'm going to go in reverse alphabetical order just to add some variety to your life. Wyoming, 
you have a deluge of legislation coming your way. 36 bills altogether that should, you know, raise the hair on your neck if you're a wildlife type of person. HB 0005 would update the state's wild horse and burrow management plan. If you are paying any attention at all, New Mexico just passed an action to allow U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to aerial gun wild cattle in the Gila wilderness. Feral animals compete with livestock and wildlife resources and can have a heavy impact on the landscape down to the soil itself. HB 0008 would allocate revenue from scratch-off lottery tickets toward outdoor recreation funding. You know, if you're the type of person that likes to, like, get those things and, like, put them in people's stockings for Christmas, you're also helping wildlife if that passes. I'm not opposed to that. SF0006 would update enforcement of invasive species statutes, and SF0061 would remove the expiration date on certifications for grouse game bird farms, which is something I'll tell you you should pay attention to. This program is what is keeping the biologically unsound idea that pen-raised sage grouse can somehow replace wild birds. There are no substitutions for wild birds, and for healthy, huntable, and sustainable wild bird populations, you need healthy habitat, not incubators. That's SF0061. There are also some exciting developments to the state budget with a possible $75 million proposed by Governor Gordon to go toward the Wyoming Wildlife and Natural Resource Trust, a program that funds a lot of good habitat work in the state when it is actually funded. So that's a good thing. And $10 million to be matched by the feds to fund wildlife crossings, which is great news for those of you who drive way too fast in the state of Wyoming. Educating yourself on all of these bills and advocating effectively for some and against others is a tall order, but don't fret. The Wyoming Wildlife Federation has organized Camo at the Capitol, an event taking place in Laramie on Thursday, February 24th. The event is open to everyone, and WWF will get you up to speed on the issues, train you in effective advocacy, and arrange for you to meet with legislators. If you can possibly make it, Don't pass up this opportunity. Become a more effective advocate for hunting, fishing, and the outdoors. Go to wyomingwildlife.org to learn more. Sign up. Everybody is always asking, what can I do to get more involved in conservation? Check out all of these organizations, get a newsletter, read their stuff, and when they offer super cool, helpful things like this, go meet people. Get proactive. Moving on to Wisconsin you cheeseheads. AB667 would authorize a sandhill crane season and authorize funding for abatement of damages caused by sandhill cranes. The International Crane Foundation is concerned that the justification for this one is crop damage. And I would tend to agree. I don't think they're talking about cranes causing damage to like liquor stores or something. The Crane Foundation would like to point out that hunting will have zero effect on agricultural damage. They also point out that when it comes to breeding and gestation, cranes are a very different beast than the more traditional waterfowl prey species. So, as a hunter, I am supporting AB667, but Wisconsin DNR will have to set limits, seasons, and regulations very carefully to ensure that this hunt continues forever. We need to make sure that there are plenty of cranes around for a long, long time. This is definitely a walk-before-you-run scenario. 
If you want to learn more on this issue, go back to episode 131 for in-depth background. Other Wisconsin bills, AB 771 and SB 748, would allow the Department of Natural Resources to conduct research on chronic wasting disease and would allocate funds for CWD research. West Virginia, SB 161, would prohibit the Natural Resources Commission from establishing a bag limit for antlered deer at three or more. Call and let your reps know which government entity you would prefer setting the bag limits and which should butt out. Washingtonians, SB 5613, would require local sheriffs to get the approval of state fish and wildlife before pursuing cougars with dogs. This is kind of an interesting one. Washington residents, you got to figure this out on your own. I think some work needs to be done on the state level to define what a problem cat is. Like if uh, you roll up and there's a sheriff sitting there and there's a mountain lion attacking a kid, I think the sheriff would, you know, be well within their uh, rights to go take care of that problem cat. But if it's a little old lady who refuses to put her bird feeder away and there's a cat walking around it all the time, um, you know, I think that's more in fish and games department. Virginians. We mentioned last time that a companion Sunday hunting bill would be coming from the Assembly after SB 8 passed. Well, it's here. Call your reps in support of HB 111 if you want a few extra days of hunting. Utahns. Call your reps in support of HB 129, which would reform the way the state determines navigability of rivers and, by extension, public access to those rivers. Right now, lawsuits are the only available route, and that is often inefficient and expensive. HB 129 would allow any member of the public to apply to the State Division of Forestry, Fire, and State Lands for a navigability ruling and it would establish clear navigability guidelines as well as a publicly available list of all currently navigable waters in the state. It would be a major tool for access. Call your reps and get behind HB 129. Tennesseans. Last episode, we mentioned HB 1674, which would have transferred control of the Yanali WMA over to Murray County. Remember, Murray spelled M-A-U-R-Y pronounced Murray, like Bill. The transfer of the land would have opened it up to development. After what has been described as a public outcry, that bill has been withdrawn. So to all of you who are part of that outcry, well done. And all the rest of you out there, man, I mean, what more motivation do you need? 12,000 acres, bird hunting, turkeys, white-tailed deer. Quit being such freeloaders. South Dakotans. SB 73 would allow the use of artificial light and night vision equipment while hunting coyotes and other predators. Uh, Again, no matter how you feel about the issue, fish and game regulations are easy to change. Bills are not. South Carolinians, Sunday hunting could be yours if you urge your reps to vote for H4614. Mississippians, You may have seen a notice about a public comment forum scheduled for the Lowndes County Board of Supervisors regarding returning Black Prairie Wildlife Management Area to private ownership. Excuse me if I didn't get the pronunciation right. L-O-W-N-D-E-S County. Lowndes is how I would say that. And when they say regarding returning Black Prairie WMA to private ownership, it means they're thinking about selling it. Black Prairie WMA is used annually by deer, turkey, and small game hunters, as well as anglers. 
Furthermore, this WMA is important in protecting some of the last remnant native prairie ecosystem left in the whole darn state. I would love to see people rally behind this one. Please submit your comments by going to www.mdwfp.com forward slash apps forward slash contact us. If that's too complicated for you, say, hey Siri, call Missouri Department of Wildlife, Fish and Parks. Anyway, you'll get there. Pennsylvanians, HB 207 and SB 431 would shift all hunting license administration away from county treasurers over to the state game commission. This would make the system uh, clearer and more efficient. Oklahomans, along very similar lines, SB 1709 and HB 4086 will move authority over hunting and angling licenses away from the legislature over to the state's Wildlife Conservation Commission. This will make the system a whole lot clearer and more efficient and will allow any changes to be made by updated regulation instead of changes to state statute. North Carolina. The State Wildlife Resource Commission is proposing Wildlife Management Proposal H6, which would open a spring squirrel hunting season. That's a great thing, but for some reason the change would only open the season on private land. Maybe this is uh, management. Maybe they just forgot about public land hunters, but I would find out more if you're in the Tar Heel State. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever, and you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, Try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months. Wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks. Or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor, no waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health 
slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were onto something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. New Yorkers, your state forest management plan is undergoing its 10-year update. New York Backcountry Hunters and Anglers is behind the plan, and I'm going to read from that here. They uh, laud the state's solid ecosystem landscape management approach for biodiversity and wildlife habitat. All good things. It also adds important material on working with indigenous communities, promoting a mix of habitats and core forest block connectivity. Forests as a resiliency tool for climate change and clarification on where e-bikes can and cannot be used. Now, remember, if you call in and you want to support the forest management plan, you can do that. You don't have to call and and criticize everything all the time. So take a look at the forest management plan, see what you like and don't like. And you can always send an email to 2021spsfm at dec.ny.gov. Public comment runs through March 4. Missourians. House Joint Resolution 107 would change the State Conservation Commission from four members appointed by the governor to eight members elected by the people. As we've said before, the people who serve in these roles aren't perfect, but requiring them to run for office will most likely not improve their judgment. Call your reps in opposition HJR 107. Bay Staters, that's you all from Massachusetts, and I'm not going to use the nickname that people throw at you when you're driving your cars and we see those plates. Pay attention to Bill H-904, which would finally bring Massachusetts into the Interstate Wildlife Violator Compact, the agreement that allows states to share information, to nab poachers, and to deny licenses to poachers from other states. Only Hawaii and Massachusetts don't belong to the compact, and Massachusetts now has the ignominious moniker of the poacher's paradise. So, call your electeds on behalf of H904. This is one of those rare instances when everybody can agree with this one. Iowans, forgive us. In previous episodes, we whiffed on SB3134, which would restrict any county or the state from buying land for conservation use for more than 60 to 80% of the land's assessed value. Here's how that would play out. I'm a farmer, ready to retire, whose kids are more into writing computer code than growing corn. I want to make sure that my land becomes habitat for grouse, deer, and, you know, pollinators and whatnot. But the state can only offer 
20% less than the condo developer who keeps my phone ringing off the hook. Those medical bills and the payments on the truck do not care about grouse habitat. What am I supposed to do? The official comment period on SB 3134 ended on February 10th, so we missed that window, but it is not too late to make your opinion known on this one. As of this recording, the bill hasn't yet been taken up by the Natural Resources and Environment Committee. The opposition to this bill has already been pretty darn loud, and if you add your voice against 3134, which literally just puts the state in a position where it cannot not only compete in a real estate deal, it it won't even get looked at. Your reps are more likely to deal this bad bill a quick death knell if you call now and ask them politely to vote no on SB 3134. Nutmeggers, that's you Connecticut folk, take a look at HB 5054, which would issue bonds for the restoration of Alewife Cove on the border of Waterford and New London. That's interesting, because you can buy a bond to restore a cove. I've never done that. Alaskans. A proposed regulation change is coming your way that would authorize the trap-neuter release program that keeps feral cats on the landscape and makes me repeat this joke every time. The cats aren't, you know, breeding the songbirds to death. They're eating them. The comment period for amending regulation 5AAC chapter 92 runs from March 4 through March 12, so call up the Department of Fish and Game to oppose the change. Go ahead and call now. If you didn't notice, that was Alaska, which is an A, and the end of our list. As a reminder, we got to pay attention to this stuff. It's that time of year. If you know of something going on in your state and you want to make it loud, please write in to A-S-K-C-A-L, that's askhal at meateater.com and let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. It's important stuff. Moving on to the Wolf Desk. That's right, the Wolf Desk. It's a day that ends in Y, which means gray wolves are in the news. But this is an even bigger story than usual. On February 10, U.S. District Judge Jeffrey White restored federal protections to gray wolves across a large swath of the United States. His ruling came in response to a lawsuit brought by environmental and anti-hunting organizations and reversed the 2020 decision by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to remove wolves from the endangered species list. The ruling returns to the federal government control of the wolf population in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Minnesota, while the population centered in Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho will remain under state control. None of the states in the Great Lakes region have held wolf hunts this year, but Judge White's ruling bans hunting in the Midwest for the foreseeable future. The judge argued that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service failed to consider threats to gray wolf populations outside of the Great Lakes and northern Rocky Mountain areas. The service, according to the judge, did not adequately explain why other potential wolf populations on the West Coast are unnecessary to the continued existence of the species. Gray wolves historically covered the entire North American continent, the judge pointed out, and yet the service failed to justify delisting the entire lower 48 population based solely on the strength of the packs in the Great Lakes and Northern Rockies. Interior Secretary Deb Holland also chimed in, The secretary published an op-ed in USA Today in which she promised to consider reinstating federal protections to the gray wolf packs in the northern Rockies. Secretary Holland discussed the cultural importance of wolves to indigenous people groups, as well as the importance of limiting conflicts between wolves and ranchers. She said, 
The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is currently considering relisting the wolves as well as instituting a 240-day emergency listing. These Rocky Mountain packs have been delisted since 2011. The most recent push to relist the gray wolf has been fueled by two hunting-related stories that made the jump to the mainstream news. Anti-hunting groups argue that both stories prove that states can't be trusted to manage the wolf populations within their borders. In February of last year, Wisconsin hunters exceeded by 82% the wolf quota set by state regulators. More recently, hunters in Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho have come under fire for killing over 20 so-called Yellowstone wolves. Which I gotta ask, do the wolves know they're Yellowstone wolves? Anyway, in Secretary Holland's op-ed, she called on the governors of these states to reinstate limits on the number of wolves that could be taken along the park borders. While Montana recently decided to end its wolf hunt after six more wolves were killed, none of the governors in these states have agreed to reinstate the park border protections. Bottom line, this decision bans killing gray wolves in the Midwest, but allows it to continue in the northern Rockies. It may also throw a wrench in Colorado's plan to reintroduce wolves. Judge White's jurisdiction covers Colorado, which just voted in a hotly contested ballot measure to reintroduce gray wolves in the state. Since the judge's decision moves wolves from state to federal control, it could halt those reintroduction efforts. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is discussing the issue right now with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, but it's possible that intentional reintroduction never happens. Wolves will continue to wander into the state, as they are currently doing, and as the issue of bringing in outside wolves to Colorado, that it now has wolves, it's possible that the stakeholders get de-incentivized, right? It's like, yeah, the wolves are here, so why are we bringing in wolves again? If the wolves are coming into the state on their own, they're breeding and making puppies there, why should Coloradans spend time and money shipping in even more? To overturn Judge White's ruling, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service would have to appeal the decision to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has held firm in their stance that the existing wolf management plan is working as intended, though they're currently reviewing how wolves are managed in the lower 48. Right now, it's unclear how this ruling will affect that review, and they haven't said whether they plan to appeal. Moving on to the Foreign Affairs Desk... A group of Spanish hunters caused an international ruckus earlier this month when photos were released of 450 deer and boar that were killed as part of a cull on a high-fence hunting operation. Animal rights groups called the spectacle a, quote, orgy of blood and death, and the images don't look great. The dead animals are lined up on the ground, inside a fenced area with floodlights illuminating the bloody dirt, the kind of thing animal rights groups have a field day with, and if you don't know any better, you'd think these hunters shot the animals as they milled about in a tiny enclosure. As the helpless beasts were hemmed by fences, they had nowhere to go as more than 70 hunters opened fire on them like a shooting gallery, reported the New York Post. Doesn't that sound compelling? The truth is, however, a little more complicated. The hunt occurred on an 8,000-acre high-fence private hunting estate located in the southern third of Spain. The estate needed to cull its game populations to maintain the health of the animals, so it invited some 70 hunters to give them a hand. Each hunter paid about 1100 bucks for the chance to shoot six or seven red deer and boars apiece. The hunt took place over the course of a single day, so while it wasn't exactly like a shooting gallery, it wasn't uh, difficult from the sounds of it. You may not even call it a hunt. Just depends on, you know, your experience. 
The difference between wild game and livestock is a little blurry here, and I understand the initial reaction to so many dead animals in a single day. Still, the meat wasn't wasted. The animals were lined up on the ground to comply with health and safety regulations related to the sale of the meat. These hunts also aren't uncommon. The same hunting estate held a similar event in 2019, in which 76 hunters took home 413 animals. High fence operations in other countries do the same. They have more animals than the landscape can support, or they're worried about disease. They open the cull to hunters who don't mind taking out some of the less impressive trophies with the meat. It's not really my cup of tea. It may not be yours, or it may be. I don't know. But if you eat meat, it's hard to argue against these high-fence culls and still polish off a cheeseburger that comes courtesy of your local slaughterhouse. Or, you know, let me put it this way. You're driving down the road. A rancher hangs a sign on his fence that says, Free beef. You swing in, and instead of the rancher handing you a big steak, he hands you a rifle and says, "Uh, Go pick one. What would you do? I know what I would do, but I don't think I'd be calling it hunting. And last but not least, we do plenty of joking around here on the show, but uh, we're going to end this episode on a bit of a somber note. Eight people returning from a duck hunting trip, including four teenagers, crashed into the Atlantic Ocean last week when the single-engine plane they were flying in went down off the coast of North Carolina. Search teams located the cabin of the aircraft 55 feet underwater, and divers have begun recovering the bodies of those on the plane. As of this recording, the Carteret County Sheriff has not said how many of the eight people have been recovered, but all passengers are presumed dead. The group had been hunting ducks on Lake Matamuskeet in eastern North Carolina. Remember, write in, A-S-K-I-C-A-L, at TheMeteor.com. February 12, and were trying to make their way back to an airport near Beaufort, North Carolina. It's unclear at this time, while the plane went down about four miles off the coast, Authorities have not indicated that the incident was weather-related, and they're attempting to recover any equipment that might tell them what happened. The group had been hunting on the property of Hunter Parks, a local East Carolina businessman. Parks' girlfriend, Stephanie Fulcher, had brought her son, Cole McKinnis, and Cole's friends had joined them. Their names were Jake Taylor, Daly Shepard, and Noah Styron. The boys were all sophomores at East Carteret High School, and all were avid hunters. Fulcher, Parks, and the four boys were on the plane when it went down along with the pilot, Teen Rawls, and his son, Jeffrey Rawls. Local businesses and high schools are holding events and donation drives to show their support, and the Core Sound Waterfowl Museum has established a fund to help the families affected. If you'd like to contribute, visit coresound.com forward slash ways to give. You'll see a button to donate to the fund at the top of the page, All proceeds will go to help meet expenses and other family needs associated with this disaster. If you know anything about eastern North Carolina, you know that duck hunting is like breathing over there. The high school held a camo day last week to honor the boys who died, and I've seen messages on social media from hunters around the state and around the country who did the same. And one large North Carolina duck hunting group on Facebook, the outpouring of support has been tremendous. Group members have posted pictures of the lost teens with poems, prayers, and calls for support. North Carolina Ducks Unlimited has called on its members to support the families affected. And they also asked everyone to wear camo last Thursday. This is a huge loss for the hunting community, and I want to send my thoughts and prayers to the families affected and the entire Down East community. Again, if you'd like to contribute, visit coresound.com 
C-O-R-E-S-O-U-N-D.com forward slash ways dash to dash give. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Be sure to keep me posted by writing into A-S-K-C-A-L. That's askal at TheMeatEater.com on what's going on in your neck of the woods. I want to hear it. Not only that, I want to tell everybody else about it. And, just like I did today, you probably need a nice, spanking, spickety-new, powerful steel chainsaw. Go get one by visiting www.steeldealers.com. You'll find a local, knowledgeable steel dealer next to you will tell you what you need and not try to send you home with something that you don't. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance Axis deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order i'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill meat from those organs are among the most nutrient rich foods on the planet you can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.